I would like to add one more scripture reference this morning, and that is Matthew 16, 24 through 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father with his angels and will then repay every man according to his deeds." You know, in the passage that we read from Isaiah, it begins further back with the children of Israel complaining. And God brings their complaint to light. And their complaint is, we have prayed and we have fasted and we have done all this stuff and Why aren't you listening to us, God? Why aren't you doing like we say? And they were just all upset with God because God wasn't cooperating the way he was supposed to. They did their part. Why wasn't God doing his? Jesus later on would say, to what shall I liken this generation? They're like children in a marketplace that say, we played a song and you didn't dance. We played a dirge and you didn't grieve. And that was their version of follow the leader. We set the pace and God, you didn't follow. What's wrong with you, God? That's kind of the attitude that the people of Israel had at that point of time. What we see in this passage is First of all, a problem. Then we see God presenting a proposal. And then he gives a promise. And then I want to make a proposition. And that's what we're going to cover today. First of all, their complaint. Their complaint was was that God wasn't doing things the way that they thought that he ought to be doing them. And uh, you know what? The first time we see something like that is in the garden. Well, it wasn't in the Garden of Eden. It was when Cain and Abel offered their sacrifices. And if you will recall, Abel offered a sacrifice that was acceptable to God. Cain's sacrifice wasn't acceptable. And what did he do? Did he say, oh, I'll do better? No, he got angry because his sacrifice wasn't good enough. He had gone to a lot of trouble and God didn't accept what he offered. And he was upset. You see, just like the the people in Israel in Isaiah's time, and just like in Jesus' time, the people weren't really uh, happy with God because they felt they were doing the right thing and it wasn't working out right. And so that was their complaint And then Cain and Abel in their situation, instead of, well, let me back up. Remember what God said to Cain? If you do what is right, will not your countenance be lifted up? 
If you do the right thing, won't you wind up with a, a smile on your face? And uh, so anyway, what happened was uh, Cain went ahead and he killed Abel. Now then, well, we could go on and we could see this same pattern where people get upset. Well, let's face it. They got upset with Jesus and Jesus, he was asking them, he said, as God in the flesh, why do you say to me, Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say to do? And then later he says, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And so God addresses this here in Isaiah. Now, no, wait a minute, I'm going to back up again. Instead of listening to God in the flesh in Jesus Christ, the religious leaders got upset. And instead of heeding what the Lord said, they crucified him. You see the pattern? Cain and Abel, uh, the religious leaders and Jesus. And then let's go on. Let's realize that we kill our relationship with God by not listening and acting on what we learn from him. And this is the great thing we need to heed today as far as the problem goes, is let's not continue this same pattern in our own lives as far as our relationship with God goes today. Uh, you know, I... As I was reading this and looking at this, I just saw this parade of husbands and wives coming through my study that were having marital problems. And I'm not going to go through those, but I'll just give a couple of examples that kind of pinpoint the problem that was going on with all these people. Uh, there was this one guy that, uh, that said, uh, my wife left a note on the refrigerator and it said, this isn't working. Goodbye. And he says, I opened the refrigerator door and I checked and the light was on. and My beer was still cold. Everything was working just fine. Weird. He missed something, didn't he? Okay. If that isn't clear enough, there's this other guy that says, uh, my wife stopped and said, you weren't even listening, were you? And he says, I thought to myself, that's a pretty strange way to start a conversation. But this is just it. This is about the way it is between God and those that he wants to have a deep, loving, personal relationship with. We just totally miss it. He says what he wants us to do. He tells us what we need to do. And it just goes right over our head, in one ear, out the other. We halfway get it, but we don't really get it so many times. And so you see, this is the situation. Sin is abhorrent to God, and yet we want to embrace it and continue to claim a relationship with him. Holiness is abhorrent to us, if we're honest with ourselves, we want to cling to the world and we want to cling to the sin that goes along with the world. And yet that is what God wants from us 
is holiness. It's at the cross that we see something major take place because Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, let him first of all do what? Let's say it together. Deny himself. Let's say it again. Deny himself. Does that mean uh, take care of all the things that I want to take care of and then say, God, here I am. Don't you like me the way I am right now? Uh, that's what that's what we he, he's saying. Deny yourself. And then he says to do something else. He says, and take up your cross or his cross or her cross and follow me. Now, this is what Jesus has done. He didn't do like I've heard of women doing before whenever in relationships when they aren't right. And uh, and the guy just says, well, what am I doing wrong? And she says, well, if you don't know, I'm not going to tell you. I have actually heard people say that. I haven't heard them say it in counseling, but I have heard this take place. It really happens, people. It's amazing. Thank God he did not do that. He told us right here in this passage in Isaiah and all through Scripture what we need to do to have a right relationship with God. What's wrong? Why, isn't, why, why can't we feel his presence? Why isn't he answering our prayers? The people in Israel back then, they were uh, saying, we're doing all this righteous stuff and you're not, doing, you're not doing your part. And what he tells them is you're fasting, and making yourself hungry, and you're humiliating yourself by getting yourself all dirty with ashes and bowing down and all this sort of stuff. While you're making yourself hungry, there are people all around you. There are people that you come across every day. There are people that work for you. There are people everywhere that are hungry. And then you go and make yourself hungry and I'm supposed to be impressed with that? What would impress me would be if you would take care of those that you see around you that are hungry. Not starving yourself and thinking that you look good. That doesn't make you look good to me when you neglect people. Do you see that? He says you, 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 you make yourself look like you're living in squalor. While there are people that are really living in squalor that you could help. He says, your camouflage, your religious camouflage is not working. I see right through it. And unless you make your heart right, none of it's going to be right between you and me. He says, well, anyway, I'll just go, the, the Lord just gets right to the point. He gets down to the nitty gritty in the proposal that he makes. He just gets right down to it and right where the rubber meets the road. And he says, in effect, if you really want to fast, let me tell you what you do. Instead of fasting, going around with a pious look, stop your sinning. Stop your gossiping. Stop the things that reveal the wickedness and the evil in your heart demonstrate your faith in me 
by your conduct. Start being honest in your dealings. Start being truthful in what you say. Instead of seeing you in sackcloth and covered with ashes, I want to see you clean on the inside. I want reality, not religion. I want a relationship, not a role. And then he makes a wonderful promise after he's gone through all of that. And you find that promise. I'm going to back up a little bit. He, he, covered, he, he says, is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? How are you even treating your relatives, he says. Then he says, if you will do these things, if you'll take care of those around you that I've entrusted to you, that I've put in front of you, then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth and your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. So if you'll start doing this, I'll have your back. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, we put all these heavy burdens on people all around us and judge them. That's what he's talking about. Remove the yoke from your midst, the pointing finger and speaking wickedness. I mean, we do it all the time. We accuse people. We gripe about them. We grumble about them. And what does he really want us to do? He's wanting us to pray for them and love them and pray that they'll get on the right track. Help them if you can get on the right track instead. And if you give yourself to the hungry, you see that guy on the side of the road, give him a dollar. He's hungry. Whatever, you know, or if you see somebody else somewhere else that needs your help, do it. He says, and satisfy the desire of the afflicted. He says, then if you will start doing these sorts of things, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. That's the promise. That's a big promise. And all we have to do is really do what we're should do in any relationship. Listen, explore, find out what pleases that person that we love. And then to the best of our ability, give them what they want. And yet we don't want to do that with God. Well, there's a wonderful promise that's ours if we will. Now, here's my proposition to you. 
And it's the Lord's proposition to me and to you as well. This Lent, in addition to doing whatever other fun or not so fun plans that you might have as far as what you're giving up or what you're going to be doing and all. In addition to those things, make this your true fast. Give every situation. This is, this is taking up your cross. That's what I'm talking about. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. You see, God, Jesus denied himself, didn't he? He hated sin. And yet he went to the cross and became sin for us. Something he loathed, he took on because he loved you and he wanted you to be free. He desires for you to love him so much that you will walk away from the sin that he has set you free from. And instead of dying, living, truly living a fantastic life for him in a wonderful personal relationship with him. So give every situation you find yourself in up to the Lord. And instead of doing it the way you find yourself inclined to handle it, instead, offer it up to the Lord as a love offering and handle it the way that you know he wants you to. Instead of just reacting, prayerfully act in the way the Lord called you to. The people you encounter and your reaction to them The people you see on TV and your reaction to them. The way you interact with family members. The way you even see poor drivers on the road. All of it. Each moment, offer it up to him by handling it as a love gift to him during Lent. The way that you know he really wants you to handle it. If you will do this, you will find the promise in Isaiah 58, 10 through 11 is yours. If you will do this, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will become like midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones and you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.